Well, this evening I'd like to address some of the uh, mistakes associated with the Christmas story. Not mistakes in the Bible. There are none. We can have every confidence that when we hold this great book, which has been of such comfort to us, we hold the infallible word of an infallible God and totally without any error in its original. But uh, there are mistakes that have been associated with the Christmas story and uh, some in the scriptures and some uh, even today. So um, firstly, well, I'll cover this uh, under four headings and to make it easy, they all start with the letter T, the headings start with the letter T. There are temporary mistakes because uh, these were rectified. And uh, secondly, there are the uh, tragic mistakes also uh, which have their origin with the second of the, um, uh, the um, temporary mistake. Thirdly, there are theological mistakes and fourthly, traditional mistakes. So uh, firstly, we'll be in Matthew chapters 1 and 2, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1 and 2, uh, firstly in chapter 1, and I'm reading from verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So here we have um, a situation which was not of Joseph's choosing. Uh, the, the engagement of a Hebrew couple in New Testament times is altogether altogether different to engagements today. And, um, and so uh, I'm not too sure of it all, but I do know that it was uh, different to uh, an engagement today. For example, the uh, pending broom, uh, groom would have to be, uh, uh, apart from his chosen bride, for a long period of time. But... Um, uh, Joseph f discovered that his beloved was already with child and he knew that he was not the father. But we read on, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put, put her away secretly. Now, the Old Testament law provided for very uh, harsh penalties for those who, uh, who had um, behaved in such a manner. I'm going to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22, and, uh, and this is the situation which Joseph perceived that he was in. Uh, chapter 22 of Deuteronomy, verse uh, 23. If a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband, and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring both out to the gate of the city and you shall stone them to death with stones. Now, if Joseph had behaved according to the law, if Mary had uh, been unfaithful to him and behaved in this manner, 
then she and the husband and, and the man would have been put to death. And then it goes on to say, but if she was not a willing party, if she was taken by force, then she would not die, but he certainly would. And then it goes on to say, to talk about uh, married couples as well. This was a very serious crime in the eyes of God. And uh, you, you might remember that this was... Uh, one of the loaded questions that the unbelievers of our Lord's day brought before him. They found a woman taken in adultery. Uh, there was only the woman. The man involved was not brought. But so they uh, fronted the Lord Jesus with this question. The law of Moses said she should be stoned. What do you say? And they thought that they had him coming or they had him going. Either way, whatever he answered would have been the wrong answer as far as they were concerned. They thought that they had him. If he said, yes, she needs to be stoned, take her out of the city and stone her to death, well, aren't you the God, aren't you the teacher of compassion and forgiveness and uh, ready to forgive sins? But if he had gone that way, ah, so you're putting aside the law of Moses then, you're putting yourself above the law. And so uh, the, the Lord... Uh, anticipated this and he was able to handle the situation beautifully. But um, Joseph, although uh, if she had been guilty of this, uh, would have uh, been within his rights to demand that uh, both of them be put to death if she'd been a willing party to it. However, his love for her evidently was very, very great and so we read here, Verse 19 of chapter 1 of Matthew, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He was going to hush up the whole business but terminate their uh, relationship. For him to have done so would have been a big mistake. And this was a mistake that was readily corrected by an angel from God. Verse 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded. And so we have this potential mistake on the part of Moses very readily rectified because she was found to be uh, with child supernaturally by the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, the uh, second one in the temporary mistakes was over in chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying... Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. 
So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So we have the coming of the wise men from somewhere in the east. Well, east of the land of Israel, there's desert for hundreds of kilometres. And so the uh, next populated area would have been in the area of Mesopotamia, the, those two great rivers that meet, the Tigris and the Euphrates, uh, the land of Babylon. And we know that there were astrologers in the land of Babylon from the book of Daniel. Daniel and all those others of the Judah who'd been taken captive there by Nebuchadnezzar and uh, there were the astrologers who were brought out before King Nebuchadnezzar to explain a dream to him that he couldn't even remember and uh, Daniel of course was given the revelation on that occasion and then once again uh, with Belshazzar and the writing on the wall, the fingers of a man's hand writing on the wall and the astrologers were brought, the magicians and so forth, to explain. So, so what was the mistake here? The wise men, probably from Babylon, and it would have taken a long time, but they saw their star in the east, they realised that this signalled the birth of... Uh, well, uh, they realised it was the king of the Jews who was born. And so they said, let us now go to see this wonderful thing. And so when they came with that question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? We don't know how long it took. Uh, they would have had to cross this desert, possibly many mountains and valleys. I don't know that there would have been many rivers on the way because it is desert. But it would have taken weeks and months. And, uh, and as I say, we don't know how long. But... Um, they expected that, it, that the birth would have been in Jerusalem, the capital city, that the king of the Jews would possibly be born in a palace or at least in a mansion. And uh, so when they came to King Herod and asked him, well, he was troubled, is this going to be a threat to my dynasty here? And uh, so he called for the teachers of the law. Herod, of course, was not a Jew himself. He was an Idumean, that is, a descendant of Edom or uh, Esau. Uh, Esau was the twin brother of Jacob. The Israelites were all descendants of Jacob through his 12 sons, but uh, Jacob's uh, twin brother Esau was the patriarch of the Edomites, uh, Edom, uh, this land to the um, east of the Jordan River there. Well, um, uh, he was put in the position of king, but he was not really a king in the true sense of the word. Uh, this was a world empire. Caesar in Rome was the king. Remember, uh, the decree went from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. But uh, he was just a... Um, Tetrarch, as it were, and uh, so, but still he uh, relished his position and he became troubled, uh, as did all Jerusalem. The king of the Jews is born. We need to know about this. So where did he go to? He went to the uh, chief priests and the scribes. 
Uh, so that, that uh, brings us very quickly to the next mistake, which was on the part of the wise men, expecting that the Saviour would have been born in Jerusalem, in the palace, in a mansion, in some uh, really magnificent building. But instead, uh, guided by the words of Scripture, when they w- went to the chief priests and the elders, These were people who were able to tell him from prophetic scripture that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Now, coming over to uh, the book of Micah, uh, chapter 5, verse 2. And we see here, But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. And so this temporary mistake on the part of the uh, wise men was quickly able to be put right. And uh, so being guided by the prophetic scriptures of Micah chapter 5 verse 2, they find out that Instead of the magnificent capital city of Jerusalem, it's a small, insignificant country town, Bethlehem. Though you are little among the thousands in Judah, and yet Bethlehem out of you shall come forth to me, him who is to be ruler in Israel. I used to uh, wonder about, uh, in chapter 2, Uh, Verse 6, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, comparing that with uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, Bethlehem Ephratah. And, uh, of course, one means the other, but why is this not a direct quotation from the Old Testament? And the only explanation I can come up with, I don't know whether this is right or not, but uh, there was the translation of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew into Greek, uh, which is known as the Septuagint, and uh, and this one here in Matthew 2 might have been a quotation from the Septuagint translation of the uh, original language in the Old Testament. Uh, that may be the explanation, but, um, but otherwise it is from the words of Scripture that this temporary mistake was put right. Well, this brings us then to uh, tragic mistakes and uh, we find these also in Matthew chapter 2 and what we've covered already. Firstly, where did Herod go to find out the information when the wise men came with their question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? The obvious answer is the teachers of the law, those who knew the scriptures Those were the ones who would be able to answer that question. And so they were. The scribes, these were the ones who were doing all the writing, copying over and over again the Old Testament scriptures. And surely uh, before too long they would have known these scriptures off by heart. And so they did. The tragedy is that they failed to act upon the word of God. To know the word of God and not do anything about it, that surely is great folly and it's a tragic mistake on their part. They simply could not care less. They were not interested enough themselves 
to follow through with uh, the coming Messiah because that is what Micah chapter 5 verse 2 is foretelling, the coming Messiah. They knew that, they believed that and when this is clearly um, acted upon by wise men from the east, Gentiles, they just could not care less and so uh, they remained in ignorance and that for them surely was a tragic mistake. And the second tragic mistake we have here is that of Herod himself. Then Herod, verse 7, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. You've come, you saw the star and you saw that it was in the west and so you knew that the land of Israel was in the west, Jerusalem, the capital city. You've come straight to here. How long ago was that? And uh, I don't know how they measured time then, maybe by the full moon. Uh, by our uh, uh, clock, it would seem that a uh, full moon came around every 28 days, and that would make 13 full moons in a year. And uh, that would make uh, 364 days, so that's pretty close. Whether that's right or not, once again, I don't know. But however it is, how long ago was it that you saw the star? And they might have said, oh, 15 full moons ago, 18 full moons, whatever it is. And he's able to determine uh, just how old this uh, born Messiah uh, would be at this time. And so, so uh, he, he's going to get rid of this threat to his dynasty. He's going to destroy the Christ child. But instead, he says to the wise men, uh, he, he told them there was Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the young child. When you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And of course, as we know, he had no intention whatever of worshipping. And so uh, verse 9, so when they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. And so once again they can see the star. And this time, we read on, uh, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they'd opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Firstly, you see the, the preeminence given to the Lord Jesus. Now he is no longer the babe in a manger, he is the young child in the house, uh, The star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary his mother. didn't say they saw Mary his mother and the young child, but they saw the child and Mary his mother. And then when they had opened their treasures... Uh, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense and myrrh. They presented their gifts to the young child. 
So, so these were wise men indeed. They at least knew that he was truly the Son of God. And uh, so once again I say that the preeminence given to the young child, not to Mary. But uh, Herod, what was his tragic mistake? He thought that he could thwart the plans of God, that he could uh, destroy the one whom God had appointed as the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, and, and so uh, he was expecting the wise men to come back to tell him exactly where it was. And uh, when he realised that he had been fooled, uh, he, um, uh, he then uh, took a very drastic action indeed. Verse 13. When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, saying, Arise, take the young child with his mother, flee to Egypt. There's that uh, preeminence again. The young child and his mother, not take his mother and the child. Uh, so, so the Lord is evidently uh, quite a bit older than just a babe at this time. Now, 16, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its districts from two years old and under. He had determined from the wise men just when that was, and so all under the age of two years, that was less than two years ago, right, all the male children under the age of two in that area would be destroyed, hoping that this would uh, be effective in uh, wiping out this perceived threat to his dynasty. Well, this truly was a tragic mistake, a tragic mistake on the part of the religious leaders who knew the scriptures and yet failed to act upon them, a tragic mistake on the part of Herod who thought that he could bring God's plan to nothing and he failed miserably, but oh, what a massacre this would have been in the land for, for what he has done. Well... We can make uh, mistakes along the way which can be rectified easily, uh, but uh, you know, never let it be said of us that we make tragic mistakes. Uh, these tragic mistakes here would have led to their eventual doom, the, the teachers of the law and the um, uh, King Herod, uh, because of what they were out to do. So... Really, the these sort of mistakes <clears throat> associated with the Christmas story are still with us today. We have people who do know the word of God and yet fail to act upon it. Isn't that a mistake which truly is tragic? To know what the Bible says and we have this brought before us and yet people simply do not care like the scribes or they might have a feeling of hostility towards God and uh, one way or another this leads to their doom. Well then uh, we have theological mistakes as well. We of the uh, evangelical uh, mind we believe among other things the fundamental doctrines including the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus not every leader in Christendom 
does. We have liberal modernists who deny the virgin birth and explain it away uh, with um, uh, ideas of their own. Uh, for example, um, well, well, first of all, let, let's have a look at the ways that um, human life has come to planet Earth. I see four different ways that human life has started on the earth. One, and we go back to the book of Genesis chapter 1 and later in chapter 2, we see that God said on the sixth day of creation, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And so we see that from the dust of the ground, God created man. Up until then, what God was doing was saying, uh, let there be light, and there was light. That was day one. Day two, let there be a firmament separating the waters above the earth from the waters below. Let there be, let there be, and it was done, it was done. When it came to the creation of man, it's not let there be man on the earth, but let us make man. And so th this is a just a difference in his order of creation. He made man as a being able to have fellowship and communion with God, unlike any other created living being. We can, he made man because he is a God of love. And yet in the face of that, people will reject the Saviour. But let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And so from the dust of the ground, he created Adam. That was number one, unique. And then uh, seeing that man was alone, whereas all of the other animals were created male and female, then he put Adam into a deep sleep. While Adam was asleep, took a bone from his side, a rib, and fashioned a woman. That's way number two. Now, these two were unique. There is only one Adam and one Eve. All the rest of us have got belly buttons because we have a human father and mother. And so, um, so there we have three, the way we were uh, brought into the world with a human mum and dad. And then we come to the fourth way, and that is what we have here in Luke chapters 1 and 2. Uh, that... Um, <clears throat> And uh, just looking here now at um, <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. Now you see, this is very much like what the angel said to Joseph. Joseph, don't put Mary away because what she has is of the Holy Ghost and, uh, 
and so forth. So this now is very similar to what the angel said, but we go into just a little more detail here. Uh, Verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? I'm not in any sort of a relationship yet with any man. How can this be? And so she's given this wonderful account of how this is going to come about. It's the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, also has conceived a son in her old age. Uh, Mary was a a young woman. But um, here is the angel telling her how it would be done. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that Holy One which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. He will be great, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. What a magnificent promise was given to her. And you see how Mary's uh, faith uh, just um, increases as she is hearing more of this. But but what's the mistake here? The mistake is that of the modern theologians who deny the virgin birth. And we have, uh, there's a book uh, by a a Reverend Leslie Weatherhead called The Christian Agnostic, and he suggests that Zacharias was the father of Jesus. This is a reverend chap who was president of the Methodist Union in UK uh, some time ago. Uh, William Barclay, in a book, The Life of Christ, uh, he is of the opinion that Joseph actually is the biological father of Jesus. These uh, people, Professor Barclay, uh, a university professor and yet um, a theologian and yet rejecting the Bible account, and this is a theological mistake, which once again is one of the tragic mistakes. The one whose supernatural birth these people uh, discount and disbelieve. So finally now, we come to traditional mistakes that uh, people make today. And uh, made by... Hundreds and thousands of people every Christmas time. The merchandising stores, more interested in profits than in the mighty prophet of God who was sent to bring salvation to the world. And uh, the, the workers, more interested in holidays associated with the Christmas season rather than focusing on the holy day or holy night, when the Saviour was born. And uh, 
and also the Christmas tree. Now, I, I'm, I'm not in any way against Christmas celebrations with a Christmas tree and gifts. In fact, we have that in our own home anyway. But in so doing, do they have any thought at all for uh, the tree of Calvary, which is why the Saviour came, and that is to go to the cross to take our sins upon himself. This is where our focus should be. He came to save his people from their sins. How? By going to the cross and shedding his precious blood, cleansing blood, to take away our sins. And people with the Christmas tree and all of the presents underneath and focusing on the presents. Oh, I wonder what's in that one with a ticket with my name on it. And I can't wait to tear off the wrapping to find out what is my present. But they forget the presence of the God, Emmanuel, God with us. And they know nothing of God with us. I remember many years ago, uh, we... You know, sometimes you'd go into a home of a Christian family and you'd see a big uh, notice on the board, uh, on the wall rather, Christ is the head of this home. The unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. These would be people, every time they see that, yes, I'm a Christian. This is where the Lord is uh, number one in our lives. He is the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. But instead, we have people who get caught up with all of the frills and trills and whatever else of Christmas, but fail to see uh, the uh, Christ child himself. Uh, some of the carols that are sung really should not be sung at all. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. You better not do this or you better not cry. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. What does it say? He knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Well, there's only one person that is that, that could be true of, and that's the Lord Jesus. And yet they make it because people know, well, Santa, you know, he's not real, of course, and so they bring it into... They just know it's um, uh, just, you know, uh, untrue, but uh, it's a happy little Christmas song. So what are they, how do they transfer that to the truth of the one who do, does know when we've been bad or good, the one who knows everything about us, the one who knows our innermost thoughts? Oh, you know, that's of no regard at all either. You know, we'll uh, go along with... Um, uh, singing Silent Night and Hark the Herald Angels Sing and, and a few of the other good carols, but um, absolutely meaningless otherwise. And these are traditional mistakes that people make at this time. But uh, let us rejoice in the fact that God sent his son into the world to save sinners, or better still, in the words of First. Timothy chapter 1 verse 15 this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and then we can personalize that of whom I am chief and so uh, let this be uh, 
the way that we can have a joyous Christmas by putting the Lord Jesus Christ back into Christmas once again. Instead of like many around us, they're celebrating Christmas with all sorts of godless behaviour and yet um, uh, tragic mistakes for them indeed. We pray really that there will be many at this time when we have such an opportunity to present the gospel through the Christmas story that they will, like the wise men, come with the question, where is he? Where is he that is born King of the Jews? We have seen his star. We've seen all of the Christmas trappings. We've seen the... uh, the, the scenes in the shopping centres or in the front yard of a church, the nativity scene. Uh, so where is he? And may God grant that there be always someone in the pulpit here who can answer that. People in the pews who have a, a firm knowledge within their own hearts who can explain to them God's way of salvation. Let us not be guilty of making these uh, terrible mistakes that can be associated with the Christmas story. Our Father, we give you thanks once again for this precious time of the year when there is so much joy in the world and where sometimes we have seen hostilities cease. And, uh, and so, Lord, we do pray that uh, even more than that, We pray that it will be a time even this season when many turn to ask the question like the wise men, where is he who is born King of the Jews? Where is he who is born the Saviour of the world? The one who is named Emmanuel, God with us. Oh Lord, we do pray that our hearts will be filled with joy Uh, as we celebrate Christmas with loved ones, with friends. But also more than that, we pray that this will be a time when people will turn uh, in their hearts to the Saviour and come and find the Lord Jesus to be truly their Saviour. But now we ask that you part us with your blessing and take us to our homes in safety. We give you thanks for every blessing. And uh, the, the request that we have made, we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.